Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The old city jail. And I've already called Justin. Mama and asked her to send money. I know. Said Mama, <laughs> send money. We're and at the jail. My she kids said, oh. texted me and said, "Don't be bringing anybody home with you." Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we have friends with us. I mean, we have friends. There's loads Spirit of friends. all sorts Very of busy. beings here, but we have two in the flesh. We do have two in the flesh. <laughs> so that's exciting. We have with us again, because we love the way they tell stories, we have Andrea and Bruce. So, it's Andrea St. Amand and Bruce Orr, and they are from um, a previous episode that y'all heard from the Loco Cafe, and they're back because they know this city jail like nobody else. That's the truth. Except for the, the spirits that live here all the oh, time. hi. Somebody just tapped my leg. Oh, I saw that because your, um, your sweater actually moved. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't. No, I saw them tap your leg, but they moved your sweater when they did it. I would like to add that I'm way away on the far end of the table. Yes, we put any other accusations of of touching people in this field. Yes, because I've already had an experience. So don't be trying to scare me because I'm already Mm. spooked. (laughs) And it is nine o'clock in the morning in broad daylight. And (laughs) and I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't have to scare you. This place doesn't get enough jobs. So I know, it, it just doesn't did. need any assistance. It just did. Guys, I was in another room. We were setting up, and I decided, well, I'll get some pictures taken out of the way so when we're done, these two people can, you know, get on with their life and don't have to wait for us to take pictures. And I went into a room all by myself where lots of prisoners used to be, and I was taking pictures of this fireplace in there through the bars because it's really cool in there. But... As I was doing it, and there was nobody around me, somebody whispered in the back of my head, <sighs> and I got so scared, I squealed and ran out of the room. She did. She <laughs> and said, all the way down the hall and said, help yes, me, help me, help me. Yes, she did. <laughs> help me, I'm scared. <laughs> so, I will not be taking any more pictures alone. <laughs> but my whole body was just chills, and it was not okay. So, but yeah, yeah, so I appreciate the contact, but I'd like to have it when other people are around. (laughs) So for those listeners who are not familiar with the old city jail, Andrea is going to give us a little history lesson on um, what the significance is of this beautiful historic building in downtown Charleston. And it is, you really just have to come. You have to come and go on a tour. It's majestic. Because I don't know that we could do it justice. By describing it, it is just this glorious, rundown old jail, but it, it's just marvelous. It's beautiful. Still with bars on the windows and bars on the doors. And the, the feeling that you get when you walk in, it's just like a zing. It is. And so it's, it's exciting. Yeah. And we're so happy to have you guys back with us. Thank you so much for showing up for a round two. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for having us Yeah, back. thank you for asking us. <laughs> so one thing I'll say, this is Andrea, one thing I will clear up, a lot of times when people think of a jail, they think of really narrow hallways, they think of a lot of cells, and that's not how it was. This jail was built in roughly around 1800, and they're wide open rooms. So it is not a jail with little cells that you're going to feel claustrophobic in. It's really like room after room of ballrooms and different shapes, different sizes, but huge, huge soaring ceilings, 
wide open. I mean, it's just like a big sanctuary. It's like it's that's, it's what, that's what. Comes but the light, the, word. the light comes in the windows, um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. It's not what you think of when you think of a jail. No, no. not at all. It's no. sanctuary. Yeah, it definitely feels like a sanctuary in here, and it is. I mean, it's just the architecture is beautiful, stunning. Fireplaces yeah. on almost every room, and right. the fireplaces are enormous. They're yeah. not like the little fireplaces we have today. Beautiful. So. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Um, this land has such a history. So we are on a patch of land outside of the original old city of Charleston. Mm. And so the best use of high ground outside of Charleston, which we are at zero sea level here pretty much. Yeah. So high ground is hard to come by. Absolutely. And this would have been before they started doing landfill and filling in all of our creeks and causing, contributing to our flooding problem. Right. But last, uh, best use of high ground is, you guys want to guess? Uh, jail? Up? No, before the jail. Oh, cemetery. Yes. Yes, yes. yes a cemetery. Good job. Oh my God. Good job. Good job. It's hard. You are. You were just tapped in. <laughs> really now you're in the jail. Um, it's hard for us to get six feet above ground here, where or six feet you know, where you yeah. can actually dig six feet down exactly. without hidden water. Um, so I'm not even sure these bodies are a good six feet under. Um, looking at Bruce, he well, wouldn't know either. Well, probably now. They're certainly not. Because <laughs> That's there's true. Because so much erosion. And you raise a good point. So back in the day, um, where cities were using land for cemeteries, and the city started those bodies and moved them, you just leave them where they are. They're at peace rest in peace forever, and just build on top of it. And see, if it's me, and I'm in the ground, and somebody drops a house up on me, I'm going to be like, dude, you're like you're encroaching on my space, and I'm not at peace anymore, so now I'm going to haunt the hell out of you. Well, so <laughs> we <laughs> have... this is why I'm going to be creamy. I'm a house on me. <laughs> or a jail. Or a jail. <laughs> or a strip club with my love. <laughs> <laughs> Then I gotta listen to the thumping music all the time. Well, so as we speak, we have thousands of bodies under our feet. Oh. I just want to put that in your Thanks heads. For that. Thousands. Thousands. You're welcome. thousands. Thousands of bodies under our feet. Oh. So then we get to the Revolutionary War period, uh, moving up into 1780. And the British soldiers were all in this area. They had a powder magazine. And a powder magazine is a fancy word for shed for your ammo. Mm, yeah. Gun, gun shed. That, that is why we're on Magazine Street. Right. Exactly. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. There you go. It's not like a fashion magazine. It's no. actually. No. It was named for the powder magazine that was here long before the jail was. Nice. Right. Powder okay. magazine explodes. Wow. At one point in the area. And uh, we are also about two blocks away from the Unitarian and the Lutheran Church. And the Unitarian Church reported having body parts as vestibule. Over here at that time, they had a hospital, a lunatic facility, <laughs> an orphanage, uh, now, military. Four, four people, four, four people. Not a And um, a lot of those went up. The thing that upset us most of all here in Charleston during that time is it actually destroyed two brothels. So, I mean, that's what really... Yeah. Don't, don't blow up the ladies. Don't, don't blow up the ladies. Don't mess so with our ladies. Really, yeah. yeah. Nobody's worried about the orphans. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Please don't take the ladies of the night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so then we get a jail. Then we get this mm -hmm. building constructed. After the Revolutionary War, we're a brand new country, and we start to rethink... Uh, what are we going to do with prisoners? What are we going to do with the criminal element amongst us? And there was a movement up and down the eastern seaboard to build these 
big, huge buildings and make them look like a fortress. Really something where when you walked by, you would be scared and you would not want to walk in. So think about that. Think about like that intent, that energy going into the architectural plans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so infused amazing. literally in the <laughs> intent and in the hardware of this building yes. is fear and enslavement and entrapment. Oh, Then you get the building itself as being housed for, it's just a house of criminal elements. Um, also next door here um, was what they called the sugar house. Oh. And it was a place of torture. Oh. So that oh. was... Oh. Wait, why oh, did you yeah. the sugar house? You were acting. Acting. Not oh. sweet. Oh, so, well, unfortunately... That's just, that's, I would have gone in there looking for a cupcake. No. 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 They'd no. have been like, no, no, no cupcake. cupcake. That's, that's exactly <laughs> well, right. It was a place so mainly where um, it had two purposes. One, if you were sentenced to a whipping or a lashing, something other than confinement, okay. that's where you would go to get it. Oh, my gosh. Unless it needed to be public, then you'd yes. be pulled outside. Um, but they... Really, it was slave owners... Um, to send their dis, dis, so-called disobedient um, there was, um, people. At the, um, at the sugar house, there was a grinding wheel that you would grind, mill, you would mill grain. So part of that was sugar cane was what they were crushing. So when you go to um, a farm, you usually have an animal that will push it around, yes. or you're having alongside a river, and the river the flows, river and it flows. turns the wheel. Mm-hmm. Over here, it was human-powered. Oh, and they would put the, the right, and there were two wheels, and you'd walk a treadmill for so many hours a day, and, and also it, it hands, you'd and hands. Your legs and hands on the turning track. that, yeah. and that's that the was the torture, and um, a lot of people. the yeah. slave owners would threaten their slaves if you know for whatever perceived um, slight slight that they right. did. Again, we're talking about slavery and stupidity. Yes, but, they go hand in hand. Exactly. But they would threaten them with, oh, we think you need to be sweetened up or you need a little bit of sugar. And oh, they automatically it. knew that they would be heading towards the sugar house. It's just diabolical. It, it is. terrible. That way. And fortunately, in 1886, we had a big earthquake here in Charleston and the workhouse came down. Yay. The sugar house mm-hmm. came down. Thank That's God. God's plan. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Oh, good. I agree. But the jail remained. Well, it, you know, it was serving a purpose. One thing I'll, I'll just note, too, and then we'll get into the stories, is that prison sentence, there was no sense that if you were a criminal, that the taxpayers wanted to pay to put a roof over your head, clothe you, and feed you. That was ridiculous. Right. So they would, the prison sentences, even if you were in here for murder, um, and you weren't you know, sentenced to death by hanging or something, you were in here only a couple months. Yeah. But... You weren't the life. What you yeah, could be expected was to live. Bologna sandwiches and the air conditioning with a private toilet and TV. No. Right, we're, then we're not, you were not expected to live in the conditions of this jail. Sure. For and we're talking than a about sentencing. Oh, wow. so we're talking about sentencing and being housed here with additional punishment. Three. Have you ever heard the phrase "cut your nose off to spite your face"? Yes. That was actually a judge's sentence in colonial days that they would order you to have your nose cut off to spite your face. So people would recognize you in the streets. I had no idea. But did we continue that kind of physical punishment after the war? Like in when we were a country at that point, not not a colony? Yes. Um, Yes. They they did cropping here at the jail. Going back to the branding, in colonial days, 
They, if you lied in court, they would brand the palm of your hand with the letter P for perjury. Because mm. you were a perjurer. So does this sound familiar? Place your hand on the Bible, raise your right hand. The reason we do that today is it's a throwback to branding and colonial justice. Back then, it was like an instant rap sheet on the end of your arm. Right. You were looking for the letter P. Today is just a tradition, but a tradition that goes all the way back to being branded, which is a horrible, horrible punishment. Yeah, so this is how, these are the conditions of the jail. They and this is what they had along with being in here. So that's why you're... Your short sentence of three months was basically a life sentence. You exactly. probably weren't getting out of here. Yeah, right. Yeah, no running water, no electricity. Um, disease would have run rampant. Yeah, um, men and women were in here together, and we That's were sitting crazy. in a room with no cells in it. No, no it's just completely open. And if you were a woman, you could have been put right in here with oh my gosh. with a man. Um, the only women. time that men and women were equal. Yeah, <laughs> That was the only time. That's when they were criminal. Right. Great. You also had uh, debtors. Debtors prison. So if you couldn't earn, you you owed people money, you would go to the jail. But you were allowed to leave every day to go work. Okay. Earn money, and you had to come back. Nice. Or or not. They have been, the did they separate them the, according to like how violent they were? Yes. yes. What, the more violent the prisoners, the higher up they went because it was harder to escape. Okay. And then you went downstairs. By the time you got downstairs in the beginning of the jail, mm-hmm. you had debtor's prison. And the first floor. Yeah. The first floor. Okay. But also, if you were a debtor, like she was saying, you could leave, go back to work. But if you were a debtor and you had no job, you had no way to take care of your family, your family came with you. So that meant that here in this jail, oh. wives and children help work off the debts. So what? there were children yes. housed in this jail, oh, I'd be too. I so yes. mad at my husband. Oh, you can imagine. Oh, my gosh. And were they put in with the men as well? Like, was it all, like, a big, happy, like, this is a camp full of families that are working off their debt? Yes. And I imagine there's a, there's a whole other contingency of folks in here, too, and there's the prison guards. Yeah, and a lot of the guards were basically one step removed from the criminals themselves. <laughs> Who would want right? to work in this? Who would want to work here? You'd have to be a really hardened that. person. To well, be able to adding do that. adding to that, real problem is no running water. Why is that an issue? Bathroom. No sewage. Exactly. No sewage. So you've got all these prisoners using buckets. So now you've got disease. Yeah, you've got, absolutely. In that hay, you've got all the creepy crawlies, all that in there. You had bats and rats in here. One thing wow. I'll tell you is during the Civil War that the Union soldiers that were captured during the Civil War were housed here, and the officers were allowed to come inside, but the regular men were housed outside. So outside of the jail, in the jail yard, there would have been really high walls sure. preventing people from getting over. Um, the men outside there were so crammed together. We do have drawings from this mm-hmm. period. They were so crammed together in like a tent village. Um, there was always a shortage of water and food. But again, nowhere for these men to go to the bathroom. Oh. So they start digging trenches along the wall so they can all go to the bathroom in one spot yeah. you know, along the walls. Well, what do they find when they start digging trenches to go to the bathroom? Bodies. The bodies. The cemeteries. So it was just ghoulishness on top of ghoulishness. Oh and it just doesn't stop. And yeah. then uh, continually, and it was described hell on earth. Most people called it the gates of hell, and that was an adequate wow. description. Wow. 
So the jail was in use until 1939, and we at that point went to more of a state and county system that we wow, had. Wow, 1939. Yeah. That was not that long ago. No. And then it sat vacant. Yeah. Until 2000, School of Building Arts came in, uh, used it part of it as their classroom, and then ghost stories, ghost tours started happening. So this place has a ton of history. Wow. When it closed in 1939, the British were already involved in World War II, and we were getting ready to join them on their side in a couple of years. So wow. think about all the U.S. history and technology in this sure. country's time. It never changed. It never changed, yeah. right. We right. It, it sets the tone for... Um, you know, how those ghost stories came about. So. And you didn't even know you were going on a ghost tour this morning at 9 a.m. Yeah. You got a ghosty. I used to think ghosts only came out at night, but since living in Charleston, I have learned that ghosts yeah. are alive and kicking just all, like all we are. are. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And that they don't actually need rest. No, they don't need their eight hours. No. So I don't think anybody that comes to Charleston can not hear a little bit about a famous ghost pretty affiliated with this jail. Very much so. Lavinia. What was Lavinia's last name? Fisher. 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 Lavinia. Yeah. Bruce is really near and dear to his heart. He wrote a whole book on her. So yeah. So Bruce's gonna give us a little insight on Miss Miss Fisher. My introduction to Lavinia Fisher and her legend started when I was a, a wee little one, a child. And in the book, it had a story called The Wayfarer at Six Mile Inn. And it was about the John and Lavinia Fisher legend, which I will give you my version of in just a second. But Lavinia and John Fisher were accused of robbing and murdering their guest at an inn, so I would have these nightmares about the story. Then, ironically, I grew up and became a homicide investigator, and my detective office was right on Pine Haven Drive near Rivers Avenue. And every time I walked office, I would get in my car in the parking lot and look across at the Navy Hospital. The Navy Hospital now is um, abandoned, yeah, but it was built. It was built on the grounds where the Six Mile Inn was. The John Lavinia Fisher no Ram. So every day I'd walk out office, I'd look across the street, I would see that inn. I said, you know, one day when I retire, I'm going to look into that legend. Sure. And that's exactly what I did when I retired. The first book I wrote was a true crime story based off the ghost tale of John Lavinia Fisher here at this jail. Nice. And that book was called Six Miles to Charleston. Now, the goes in an inn called the Six Mile Inn right outside of Charleston. The inns were places during that time when the wagon trade was coming. You could stop with your wagon loaded down with goods, order your horses, get a bite to eat, find a place to rest. Well, John and Lavinia Fisher had a good routine set up, according to the legend. They stopped to order their horses. John Fisher would come out and say, I'll, I'll take care of those horses for you. I'll feed and water them for you, board them in the barn. Why don't you go on in the house and see my wife, Lavinia? She's got dinner on the table, and I'll join you when I'm done. After dinner was done, Lavinia would escort the driver upstairs and take him to his room. She'd say, oh, a cup of tea, because we know you've got a long, hard day in Charleston ahead of you tomorrow. We want you to have your rest. Well, it would indeed help you sleep. It would help you sleep permanently because it was laced with oleander. Oh. Oleander to the petals of the flowers. Yeah. Extremely beautiful and extremely deadly. Perfect match for Lavinia. Oh. Now, if it didn't work out fast enough, John Fisher was a nice guy. You see, if he came into the room and found you convulsing around on the bed from the poisoning, he'd just reach down and stab you half a dozen times. Oh, that's awful nice of him. It was nice. And then yes. he'd roll the bed out of the way and roll you onto the trap door underneath it, let you fall down into the basement, throw a little lie on top of you to keep you from stinking as you decompose sure. over the next few days. 
clean up the bloody mess, roll the bed back in position, and wait on the next happy customer to come. <laughs> the name of John Borgia to Charleston, South Carolina, with a wagon load of goods and this old dog. They travel everywhere together. Aww. They get to the six-mile inn, and the routine starts all over. Sure. John Fisher comes out, takes care of the wagon and the horses, and sends the man and the dog into Lavinia. Lavinia feeds them, escorts them upstairs, and offers them that hot cup of tea we just talked about. He thanks her for it. He goes into the room, and as he's unpacking, he shuts the door, and he sits that little hot cup of tea on a little side table. Well, fortunately for him, but not for the old dog. The old dog is thirsty and helps us up oh, to the tea. I don't know why you have to bring the dog into the school. I didn't. <laughs> Mr. Peoples and John Fisher did. I had nothing to do with the poor dog. But next thing he knows, Mr. Peoples' dog's foaming at the mouth and drops over a deceased. Oh, Yeah, I know. Now Mr. Peoples is trying to figure out what happened to his old dog when he hears John Fisher outside the door talking to Lavinia about what he's getting ready to do if Mr. Peoples is still alive. Oh. Mr. Peoples decides it's really not a good day to be stabbed to death because that would probably interrupt his business trip. Yeah, it's not he also decides exactly. He decides it's also a really good day to get the hell out of that house. Right, exactly. So he opens up the window. He climbs out onto the roof over the pool. So obviously, Mr. Peoples puts it in high gear. He goes running across the yard. He jumps up on Fisher's horse, takes off through the woods, and heads to Charleston and gets the sheriff. Oh. The sheriff comes back with a group of men. They find the fishers, the bodies, the property. They burn the house to the ground. They arrest the fishers, and they bring them right back here to this jail where we're standing. That's crazy. And then they house them here. They keep them here for a year. During that that time, they're taken to trial, and they're found guilty, and they're sentenced to be hanged. So on February 18th of 1820, they take them. Why do you think? Well, parade them through the streets. Parade them through the streets, and no one had seen a husband and wife hang together. So this oh, is like the Super yeah. Bowl of hangings right here in Charleston. Everybody that. shows up. Yeah. They had to change the venue to accommodate the crowd. 1,200 to 1,500 people wanted to see this oh, thing. My gosh. Now, he's put up on the gallows. The chaplains come out, and they say, John, God's forgive. They put Lavinia on the trap door. They put the noose around her neck. But the interesting thing about Lavinia is she's wearing a white wedding dress. Oh, why in the world would the woman wear a white wedding dress to her own hanging? Well, she feels as if they're to be hanged. They will riot, they will protest, and they will oh, rescue her. Good so plan. Smart. Yes, but she, and they wondered why she wanted to do that. So, they fixed it. Simple fix. Relatively simple fix. You know how they fixed it? They hanged John Fisher first. She's no longer a married woman. She's an instant widow. Checkmate. Oh. Now, oh my exactly. Now, poor old well, the sheriff comes up and says, Lavinia Fisher, there is no pardon from the governor. You will die today and you will die at the end of the rope hanging around your neck. That did not make Lavinia a happy woman. She throws a fit, a temper tantrum. So those same chaplains come out. Lavinia Fisher, would you like to ask God's forgiveness of your sins before you head to the state? Her response, she spits in their faces. She tells them, I'll have none of that. She says, if you've got a message to give to the devil, give it to me. I'll be seeing him shortly. And with that, she runs, jumps off the platform, hangs herself, snaps her own neck, oh. and deprives anybody the privilege of doing it for her. Wow. She's a very, very brave woman, and she is a little bit stubborn. And, and I yeah. like it. She's still here. Yeah. Now, she's often seen inside this jail. In that long white dress with the long dark hair and the beautiful features. She's also attributed to a signature scratch mark. People end up with three parallel scratches down their legs, down their arms, down their neck and back. That's believed to be Lavinia's way of thanking you folks to living for coming in here and continuing to torment her. Wow. See, she had nowhere else to go. Again, according to the legend, man did not pardon her for crimes. 
God would not forgive her of her sins, and the devil, he didn't want to hear one damn word she had to say, so he locked the gates of hell and went to that rent. And she so, was dressed in white. He's so, like, exactly. Don't bring that right. Don't bring, I don't want her in here telling me, she might take hell over. Yeah. So, what am I going to do? I'm going to lock the gates and not let her in. So, where did she go? She came back here. And this is where she's been here for eternity. And she was probably a little pissed. I, I so, wouldn't blame her. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm going back there. I'm going to let them know. So she is the most infamous legend here in this jail out of many, many, yeah. many horrible people. Wow, that's amazing. I, I wonder if she's the one that spoke to you this morning. <laughs> she was like, hi, I'm about to have some fun with you. Yes. <laughs> so is that the truth? The whole truth and nothing but the truth? No. I have a, that she is a ghost here. That's the truth. That she is. is. If anybody is has a reason to be a ghost, it would be Lavinia Fisher. Okay. And enough things happen to her. Even being in this jail for any reason. I can't imagine being in this jail, right. even awaiting trial or even awaiting sentence. I will like, tell you another part time. of this legend. I don't know if you and I talked about this, Bruce, or if you know anything about this. But when John and Lavinia were buried... They, at that point, the cemetery had moved up the peninsula. Mm-hmm. And later, um, the judge who sentenced them to death through hook and crook became a very wealthy man. Um, and a story that's also related to the Fishers. Um, but he donated money for a boys' school, which was then built on top of the old cemetery oh. where they were buried brought. underneath a building named after named after the judge who put them there. Really? Because we yes. know where they were buried. We know where that building is. Today. Okay. Is that building still here? Yes. yes. It's part of MUSC now. You Shut can see it's mouth. a little wreck. It's funny, like octagonal type of historical building in the yeah. middle of all the modern right. hospital structures. Interesting. Is it still MUSC. named after the judge? Yes. Yeah. Shut up. So when you were talking about never resting in peace in one of those old cemeteries because you might have a house dropped on you. Yeah, they dropped the happened. judge's house. Or judges. Yes. Yep. It's uh, it not, never been proven. It's, it's a good probability yeah. she's yeah. buried underneath that particular uh, All right, so let's go back to what, uh, what you were asking, what you asked about. To, is that the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And so there's a little more to the tale than just the legend. And sometimes... The truth is actually worse than legend. So I'll leave you with that. So can you give us the name of the book one more time so people know? It's Six Miles to Charleston, The True Story of John and Lavinia Fisher by Bruce Orr, and it's on History Press. That is wonderful. Because you guys have both done so many tours here and you've been here, and, you know, you're going to do a ghost story, you may as well do it at night when it's, you know, dark and creepy in the jail. So surely, once all of the the tourists have gone home and you're left to lock up the building, <laughs> there has to have been some things that have happened. Let's hear some true ghost stories of encounters that you guys have had. Well, first of all, the first thing you have to be able to do in order to tell ghost stories in here, you have to be able to come in this building by yourself in the dark. <laughs> open it up, unlock it, and at the end of the night when everybody's gone, you have to be able to walk back through this building, make sure all the doors are locked, you're by yourself, in the dark, with your flashlight, 
and get back out the front door yeah. without I scaring yourself I to death. I can't even stand in a room at 9 o'clock in the morning by myself in the broad daylight when y'all are two rooms down. How many guys, I will never get a job as a tour guide here. No. How many guys, Bulldog, I think, has about 70 guides associated with them. And Bulldog Tours does all tours. Culinary right. or food yes. tours, history. They do ghost upon ghost upon ghost. Yes. Every single guide wants to do this building, as you discussed. You're the last person... And that's when things will start happening. Of and course. out of the 70 guides that want to do this tour, it narrowed it down to six. There were six actually do this tour. So that will tell you the effect it has on it. So we've got six brave guides that will do this tour in here. Wow. And you just have to put on your blinders. You have to just go through it. Or you're just going to have to accept it. It just is what it is. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, this is their place. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to go home. Nobody come with me, you know, no hitchhikers, everybody stay, this yes. is your place, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. There are times in here, I don't think you have to be by yourself, you know, because no. there are so many crazy things that happen in here in front of 20 people. Right. I mean, 20 people on a tour, and you'll hear the doors banging, you'll hear mm -hmm. stuff, and you're looking at the door, it's not moved, but everyone's yeah. hearing yeah, the banging. The banging, and everyone's hearing how noisy everything is, and it's sure. just, it's, and it's going crazy. With that, remarkably quiet. The, mis the misconceptions, too, has got to be at night. You just yeah. have, at 9 o'clock in the morning, you're walking in here, you yeah. get a hello. It's This building, these walls, this building absorbs so much different energies. Gosh, you've, got, you've got suicidal people, you've got people upset, you've got people relieved to be finally out of here. Yes. This building has taken on its own personality. Right. And there are times you can walk in here in broad daylight, and it's terrifying. This place, you don't want to be in here, and the building's in a bad mood. So I was Wasn't here one night. Um, I got to piggyback on a tour that you were doing. You did. And you did an investigation, a yeah, investigation. Yes, did, yes, and I didn't have the little thing, because I was off in my own world doing my own thing. But um, And it was a great night, but I just, I, when we got to the end... For whatever reason, and it, it does get kind of stuffy and hot in here, but I was sweating so bad, and I kept telling you, I, I, yeah. I think I need to go because I am so hot. I just yeah. am so hot. So I ended up leaving, and it's what we started at midnight. midnight. So it's and I know, don't think it was summertime then. It wasn't. I think it, it was just the energy, and there was a great breeze blowing outside. It was actually, you know, not such a bad night in the jail, and I left. And went home, and you contacted me the next day and said, when you left, all hell broke loose. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You got out in the you nick of time. You said that there was, like, all kinds of noises, and there was a big ruckus, like, like there was a brawl or something happening between people. And she, she was like, I'm actually kind of glad that you left, because it really did get crazy. And I thought, well, me too. Yeah. <laughs> That's the weird thing. So we're all sitting in one room right now, and that, this will happen on tours or in, in investigations, and you will hear a big brawl mm -hmm. or something happening in another part of the building. Yeah. And you're like, what, did somebody come in? Are there guests in some other part of this building? And you yeah. no. <gasps> yeah, there used to be a fourth floor. Right now there's three stories. Right. There used to be four stories. Um, and then that earthquake that took down the sugar house also damaged the fourth floor. So they lopped off the fourth story and became a three-story building. Mm -hmm. But you'll still hear. We're on the, we're on the second floor. Right? Second yeah. Floor right but now. you'll hear on the third floor, you'll hear stuff happening upstairs. Those stairs have people Wait, running what? and walking across the fourth floor. But there's floor no, there is no fourth floor anymore. Oh, wow. 
I have actually see. been in here and coming in here and hearing the footsteps, thinking somebody was in the building, sure. and climb up, get to the third floor, and still hearing the footsteps above me. There's no floor up there for them to walk oh, on anymore. Oh, my. The other thing you'll hear, and this really freaks people out, which I love freaking people out. Yeah. You can't tell. Yeah. Like, oh, this makes me so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you'll hear babies crying. Oh. You'll hear children crying. And people will just be like, they'll look around and they're like, okay, there's no kids. That's unnerving. That's that. unnerving. There was a woman who, I'll just say one thing. A, a lot of times when you're in a building like this or having some paranormal experience, it might be going in your head, but it doesn't go into your consciousness right away. Okay. So you might, it might not come into your consciousness until you're falling asleep at night mm. or until the next day. So a lot of times people think a ghost came home with me. That's absolutely not happening. Right. They're not following you home. I mean, they can do whatever they want. They're, they're free souls, right? Free spirits. Right. No ghost is stuck. There's nothing like that. But a lot of times what happens here is you're paying so much attention. There's so much going on, going on. that you're, you might not be experiencing it in the moment. So it's as you're right. falling asleep, you'll remember. But it'll sound like it's happening right at that moment. Sure, and it's just like it's finally coming it's into your brain. Into your brain. You're finally your processing all yes. of that information, which yes. happens a lot of times. I mean, even yeah, when you have situations where something traumatic happens to you and you don't, I mean, there's so much going on and all of your senses are going off at once, and then you don't remember things until a day away, or, you know, people right. say, it, I keep remembering things and it's like been weeks. Right. It's just because your brain right. is finally unlocking it enough to process it. Absolutely. So we had a woman one night who was sitting on, came in here for a tour. She was, they were staying out at Kiowa. So she was sitting on the beach the next day and heard plain as day, a baby say, mama, <gasps> she got so freaked out. She had to come back the next night and get back in here. Yeah. And was just like, what is this? Where, Where is, is that this baby? baby? And I feel mm. like I want to communicate and hold that child, sure. oh. spirit child. Oh my god! Yeah. Right. And a lot of times, people will see children running through the right. halls, like little ghost children. Oh, nice. I hear them. Here. Can yeah, I tell them? Yes, please do. That one of these. So one of the the top floor here is called Mount Rascal. Okay. In the front of the building. And so that those big rooms actually had cages as cells. Oh. And that was where the worst of the worst criminals would be housed. Oh, wow. So that people would actually, in the rest of the jail, get threatened that if you're misbehaving, you're going to get sent up to Mount Rascal. Oh, my. So <laughs> that's probably what we would call the criminally insane today, correct? Yeah, the worst of the worst were Absolutely housed up there. The you had people like um, Sergeant Charles Long that served at Fort Moultrie. He... Um, one night, he went home, picked up an axe, and butchered his entire family, killing his wife and children while they slept. Oh, my. Then you had Willie Marcus. Willie Marcus took an ice pick, and he stabbed his wife 42 times and dumped her body out on Sullivan's Island. Really? And um, caused him to be put into the newspaper, which caused his other wife to come to Charleston to find out why he killed her. Oh. for cheating on him while he's cheating on her with another woman. Oh, no. So we executed him in the backyard. Today, we'd give him a reality show. Willie Marcus. Yes, we would. But that gives you an idea going along with sure. what Andrea is saying about the type of people that were housed in here. You had Oscar Johnson. You had Oscar Johnson that was, um, he was actually a serial killer. Okay. And uh, he was nicknamed the Lincolnville Butcher. Oh, and he started out in Georgia. He started out in Georgia. 
He murdered his sister-in-law, um, bit two of her fingers off, decapitated oh, her, and God. threw her into a river. Wait, 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 wait. Never wait. bite your fingers off. He escaped. Wait, wait. No. he bit her fingers off. Her fingers off? Why yeah. would you do that? That's a hard That's bite. He, How um, do you do that? He went to the house to visit relatives. No one was home except his sister-in-law, Lucinda. Lucinda was afraid of him. She was terrified of him. She knew you didn't make him angry. So he wanted to go for a moonlight stroll. Well, she didn't want to go, but reluctantly she gave in because her, her rationale was, I'll be on the streets. There's people out there. I'll be safe. So she goes for a walk with him just to pacify him and, you know, get away from him eventually. So they're taking the walk and he makes a pass at her. She does not reciprocate his advances. So he starts to fly into the rage, and according to the witnesses, all of a sudden this calmness comes over him, and he starts weeping, and he says, I'm so sorry, Lucinda, I can't believe I did this, I apologize, I am so sorry, can you please forgive me? And Lucinda says, I forgive you, Oscar. He says, no, no, and then he starts sobbing, and he says that, I, I just, I don't understand the reason I do these things, I don't understand this, I am so sorry, I never should have done this, can you please Please forgive me. Can I please see your hand? I want to beg your forgiveness. I want to get down and pray on my knees and beg your forgiveness. So Lucinda reluctantly holds out her hand. And as the witnesses say, it was almost like a flash across his face. His whole disposition changed. He bent down. Instead of praying with her, he bit off two of her fingers, jumped on her, slit her throat, took her head off, and then dragged her head and her body down and threw it in the river. Oh, my. And that was his first crime. Oh, my God. Oh, good grief. He, Lord. He gets into an insane asylum. Here. In Georgia. Okay. Because of the brutality. Gotcha. Uh, sure. And I'm getting off into another long story, but uh, he he uh, gets put in an insane asylum because of the brutality of the crime and the way he's acting when they pick him up. He's not insane. There's a lot of things wrong with him. Psychopath, sociopath, and evil, but not insane. He gets inside, and um, he meets a new friend. His friend's got some legitimate problems. His friend is definitely insane. Um, Oscar talks to a guard, and the guard rats him out. So now he knows he's going to go to trial. He's going to be hanged, so he's got to get out of the place. Well, he's climbing down, and in the darkness, out of the window pops, guess who? His best friend. And his best friend starts screaming to the top of his lungs, Oscar, Oscar, please help me. Don't leave me behind while you're escaping. Take me with you. So now all the lights pop on, and the alarm sounds. Wow. And he would have been upstairs in Mount Rascal. Upstairs in Mount Rascal. He's probably the worst one housed in Mount Rascal. So that now, would have been the fourth floor or the third, third floor? floor? The third floor. Okay. At that time. So eventually they take him to trial, takes the jury five minutes to find him guilty and send him to the hang. Okay. They did his execution. He's taken out. He's taken to the gallows. They put the noose around his neck, a black hood over his head. Now, they... Say a few words, drop the lever, the trap door opens, he falls, he spins a little bit, and the rope pops, he falls to the ground. Are you kidding? He tries to get up. A deputy runs over there, throws another noose over his head, throws it over the arms of the gallows, and the officials out back hoist him up and hang him by hand. Oh, wow. They don't want to take a chance of him ever getting out of here, and they did an excellent job of that. Too good, as a matter of fact. Uh-oh. Now, they lower him down into a pine box. And then they hammer the lid on it. They don't even bother to take the noose off of his neck. They just cut the rope, drop him in there, don't take the hood off of his head. How very efficient. So well, I mean, they, they're not going to recycle that stuff. No. 
Well, they hanged him at 11 o'clock during the day. So they shove him down in the morgue because it's too early to bury him. It's too hot. Too they were going to wait till the cool of the evening to take him to Pottersfield. Okay. Well, throughout the day, that pine box is sitting down in the first level of the morgue area. And during the day, they hear kicking inside of it and banging. Here? Here? here. Downstairs. Oh, downstairs. Here. Like right here. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then they hear somebody saying, let me out. Oh, God. So when the guards walk in, it stops. Oh, um, yeah. Some of the guards are brave. They put their hands on the box. There's no vibration. Nobody's moving in there. Yeah. They walk back out and it starts again. Oh. Sometimes when they walk past the stairs, past the morgue, out the corner of the ride, they'll see a huge person sitting on the box with a black hood on his head oh. and a noose around his neck. They oh. double back. There's nobody there. And then they go down the hall and the laughing will start. And then the banging in the box and then let me out. Well, at the end of the day, when the wagon gets here to take him to Pottersfield, there are two guards waiting. One guard has a pry bar and the other one has a hammer. Oh, they're going to go and take care of him. They're going to, exactly. The one, they want to make sure he's dead in that box because he's been carrying on all day. Yeah. So the one (laughs) takes the pry bar and starts to pry the lid off. The other one's standing there with a hammer to play whack-a-mole in case he sits up. Right. Well, he doesn't sit up. So he's oh. dead as a doornail. Oh. Well, the guy hammers the lid back on. They pick up the little coffin. They put it on the back of the wagon. They send his body away. Oh, God! But the officials did such a good job here. He never left. His body left and went to Potterfield. Yep. But his ghost still haunts here. Down on the first floor in the morgue area. We're in that black hood and that rope around his neck. Oh, my. So Oscar Johnson, the most notorious killer ever held in this jail. Far, far worse than Lavinia Fisher. Ooh. Still haunts in this jail. Wow. Have you had any um, contact with him? Has he no, ever shown himself to you? Not me. I've had contact with... That's it, who was breathing down your neck today. Yeah, that's who said hi to you. That's who said hi to you. His favorite greeting is like when he knocked on the door and the sender answered, he said hi. <laughs> Are your fingers hurting you? Do you feel a tingling in a cup of your finger? Uh, By the way, did you guys hear that thumping? Yeah, did you yeah. hear that door? Yeah. That was 11.09, and, and yeah, that's why I looked okay. at my watch. Yeah, that was a door in here. Yeah, so... Oh, gosh, I, got yeah. I don't know if you picked it up on that, but yeah, that's yeah, why that's I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah that we was all a, heard it. That was a door up on the third floor or the fourth floor. Oh, my yeah. God. Because it was so faint, and it may be the fourth floor. That's crazy. Well, it's probably that one of the spirits that's... Well, how many times then... It could be Oscar. It, it might be Oscar, Oscar banging, coming for you. He's oh looking gosh. for your fingers. No, he's not. <laughs> but I could use a manicure. It just went again. Yeah, I'm sorry, Andrea. I'm That's all right. Okay, and you go to the morgue and record from there. Call me on the phone. <laughs> I'm at the morgue. <laughs> I'm at the morgue. And I am not alone. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You could do one from the morgue. No. At sugar coated murders. Can y'all make lady fingers? And for Oscar. Make lady fingers, make, make lady oh, fingers yeah. for Oscar. Oh, Oscar. Oh, that would be amazing. But too soon? Too oh, soon? I don't think so, because I think that what I'll have is I'll just have Anne run them in. I mean, <laughs> there you so go. I'll wait in the car and you just run them in real quick. <laughs> and you've talked about, um, well, so you've told me about an ominous presence that you felt at the back door downstairs before. <laughs> But that a turned out of, to be not ominous. Right. 
a guard. A guard. Guard energy. Totally, yeah. Yeah. So I've a lot of people, too, a lot of people feel like that. Down, just that presence. And if you think like what a guard energy would be, mm-hmm. like very protective, very stern. Um, the guard energy is very different from um, the prisoner energy, but it's I would not think so. always. It's just you'll feel that sternness. So a lot of people interpret that then as being scary. Right. But I've started to use that guy as my guard. He's my guard. He's your guy. He's my guy. He's your guy. (laughs) (laughs) There are certain ones that um, I would call an attachment. It's almost like a story you have your pet ghost. Sure. Um, Absolutely. And I would imagine that the that the spirits here feel the same way about the people that do the tours. Yeah. There there has to be I mean, just like when you meet somebody you've never met them before and there's this instant connection. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel like we've known each other forever, whether it's your personality or something in your DNA or whatever. You well let's just me. let's just put it this way, okay. Um so we have again, there are certain ones that seem to be connected. There's sure. some sort of connection. We have a particular guide in here as a good friend. His name's Brian. And Brian, the one I mentioned earlier, Willie Marcus, seems to be connected. He was the ice pick guy? He was the ice pick guy. Okay. So Just, I have files. Brian, for some yeah. reason, Brian likes this Willie. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the whole thing is that, like, I, I brought in files that have newspaper clippings that, you know, show these people are real. So the file for... Willie Marcus is tied to the truth about Brian's Willie. Oh, okay. So that's okay. how I file my files at home. So that shows you about I've got a twelve-year-old mentality, <laughs> but um, it is Brian's Willie, and okay. it's you know Brian's very fond of his Willie, and he spends a lot of time upstairs with his Willie. Oh, and, you in know, private. Willie in private. <laughs> And, um, you know, they... So they, we could ask for Brian when we come to a Bulldog right. course? Oh, yeah. Brian. And tell us about your Willie. Yeah, tell us about your Willie. Yeah. about your Willie. Yeah. Yeah. Just break and, your Willie out? Yeah, just, just, you know, I mean... You're the one with the Willie, right? I mean, the, yeah, he is, and uh, I, I think it's... You know, it's very helpful psychologically to be connected with your Willie. I, uh, I, I mean, wouldn't understand. I, right I, I have no connection with, I think, with Willie. I think Brian has made peace with it. That's good. And, it's um, good to be at peace so, with your Willie. Yeah, it is, and I'm glad he is. So Willie, Willie, the ice pit guy, has an affinity for Brian, the bulldog tour guy. Yeah. Yeah. There was. We used the apps that Andrea's mentioned that do voices and okay. they come across so one night I get a phone I get a call and ask if I could fill in and host an investigation <laughs> in here okay so um I uh, I said I'll do it Brian was supposed to do it and uh, Brian I got told Brian had slipped on the stairs and twisted his ankle at his house and oh. he wasn't able to do it oh, wow. so I come in here and I'm with the group and this app this app <laughs> As uh, we're sitting there, this app is uh, just going on, and it's just no no message coming through. And I'm like, Willie, are you here, Willie? You know, and uh, all of a sudden, the app says Brian. Oh. And I'm like, um, <coughs> Brian? No, this is Bruce. Brian slipped on the stairs, fell down the stairs, and twisted his ankle. Mm-hmm. And the next word comes up, fraud. <gasps> Oh, and I'm like, the next day I call up Brian. I said, your buddy just ratted you out in the jail. You didn't twist your ankle, did you? I, and he says, what happened? And I told him the same thing I just told you. And he starts laughing. Oh, 
He would neither deny nor confirm that. So I don't know what he did, but yeah, I mean, his willy ratted him out inside his jail. So yeah. Thanks when you're outed by your willing. Yeah, yeah I know. That's so, crazy. Yeah. And there probably is like some kind of a disease named after that too. Oh my gosh. So you <laughs> have apps that you use where you're in here doing tours and you're getting communication through the app I of think, some of the spirits? Yeah, I think a lot of it's gobbledygook. Some of a it of a it. lot of it's gobbledygook, but then you'll get you'll really get interesting really ones. There was one in here I had um, two guys. And two girls, two couples in here, they were doing an investigation. And they were using this app. And then they were doing all the stuff. They were downstairs. And all of a sudden, the word engagement came up. So I'm thinking like 54th Massachusetts, those, the soldiers from Glory, the all-black regiment, they were held in here. So it was in a military engagement. What kind of engagement? Well, then I'm thinking... These, Only they a guy started, would go there. Right. I'm thinking Diamond Ring. Me too. Well, the three people all of a sudden started getting upset, and they're like, what? That, that I don't understand. It. There's something wrong with this thing, and they started shutting it off. Long story short, they had planned, one guy had planned to ask his girlfriend, they're into the ghost up, to marry her in here. The ghost oh. ratted him out beforehand, oh, no. and they're scrambling to shut down all the equipment so she yeah. doesn't catch on. Oh, yeah. no. At the end of the night, he took her into the holding cell down there, Got on his knees, yeah, and asked her to marry him. Got on his knees, the whole nine yards, Didn't and she said yes. Off. Didn't bite her fingers off. And no. all the but yes. And oh. it was it was one of those, but the ghost knew before I even knew. Absolutely. Yeah. There was another night with this. Um, there's two fun stories with that ghost app, where the husband, the guy and the girl coming in, husband and wife or girlfriend boyfriend, and he's just like, oh, I'm just here for her. You know, she's sure. into this stuff, but <laughs> I don't believe me. And they're all bundled up in their in their coats. And the first thing she didn't even have the app on her phone. She she loaded it while we were st- sitting in here. Okay. And um, the first thing it said was anniversary. And so oh. he starts like, wait, what? It was their anniversary. That was their gift to that's okay. his gift to her. And then it said thirty seven, <gasps> the numbers. And he about fell out. He opened mm-hmm. his jacket. He had a sports. Shirt on with the oh, number jersey. 37 wow. on it. And the rest of the night, he was the believer. Well, he took that. He was in every room. He was thought it was the coolest Just like thing the ever. dog always goes to the person that's not into dogs. Right. I think spirits sometimes totally. go to the person who is the non-believer. Like, I think oh, yeah. it's important yeah. to them I to had, say, we're here and yes. you need to accept us. Right. Why, so. did not, why didn't we download ghost apps on our freaking phones? I used to have one that I used to play with at home. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to download some ghost detectors, and then we're going to go, we'll stop this, but we'll go walk around and see if it gives me any readings. Oh, that would be great. And then come back and, and report what we found. Yeah. Nice. Does that sound good? Yeah. Sounds good. All right, yeah. okay. I'm going to put on pause, and please, spirits, don't mess with my technology, because I don't know what I'm doing. So, thank you. Just tell them it looks like your granddad. Oh, my gosh. So, we walked around a couple of rooms. We went upstairs to Murder Row, and that was quite stifling up there the air is crazy the energy is so heavy and dark and mm-hmm. sti- it's just stifling did anybody jump on your head that you know of nobody jumped on my head but i had a, i did feel something was pinching my neck so before when i was sitting here and you were talking about willie i had the sensation that somebody was just grabbing right here just pinching and i actually started rubbing it because i thought did something bite me and then um, I jokingly told myself it's Willie's wife. She caught a pit, uh, ice pick in the neck. So, <laughs> but then 
as soon as I got up and walked out, it went away. But then when we were upstairs, again, that same sensation, but back here, was it was like somebody was pinching that part of my neck. It's just a really weird sensation. And as soon as I came downstairs, it's gone again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, is it me or is it something, you know, messing around with me? But we did. I downloaded one of the apps. And we um, picked up a ghost named Francis. We don't know if it was just the app, the app, or if it was actually an entity. But it, it appeared on my iPhone. And the crazy thing is, it looked so much like our grandfather, Grandpa Coogee. It was, yeah. it was unbelievable. So um, he said his name is Francis, but he also said that he lived in Ontario all of his life. I'm not sure how he got here, but I mean, God only knows. So um, I have, yes, maybe, or yes, and then. Bruce did tell us the story about his friend, the child, um, your child friend. Alonzo. Mm-hmm. Alonzo. And so um, he's actually seen the child here. So that was kind of fun, some good stories. We did offer to bake cornbread upstairs for the prisoners up there if they would play musical windows, but they didn't. So <laughs> No cornbread for them. No, no cornbread for them. And we did not go near the morgue because I would like for Oscar to stay where he is. Um, I don't want to In the deal with Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so wherever he is, I'd like for him to stay there. Yes. So, um, but we have one more story, right? We have one more story. Oh, we don't have another story. I'm making that part up. (laughs) Uh, We have plenty of stories. We could go on for weeks. On and on. So maybe we'll save that. But I've got to tell you, if you're ever in the Charleston area, book a tour with Bulldog Tours because they are amazing. Request, request Bruce because he's an incredible storyteller, um, or Brian, and or his Brian and his Willie. Or if you want, if you want to, I mean, if you if you really want Brian to whip out his Willie, just just we have a lot of out. amazing tour guys out here. Yeah, but I'm yeah sure. Brian though and his Willie. I mean, yeah. Can. So, um, but Bulldog is a very it's a premier tour organization throughout all of the um, Low Country and all. of all Charleston, so it's amazing. And, so we're gonna, and Brian really appreciates it because he's, you know, he's pro Willie. And he if you, when you meet him, and you get him to the side, away from the jail, so it doesn't interrupt any other tours, he appreciates it when everybody starts screaming "Free Willie!" Free at him. Willie. Yeah, free oh. Willie, free Willie, Here free Willie. Okay. Brian, so Brian will watch like oh, that. Actually, it should be like a very quiet chant. Yeah, so yes. you don't want to disturb any other no, tours. No, you don't but want just any chant. other tours. To be disturbed, but if you could just chant that in his ear constantly, <laughs> right. that's great. At, at, at a six foot distance at this point, yeah, through your mask at this point, that's yeah, right. Maybe yeah. social yeah. distancing. But Gross. also, um, Andrea and Anne kind of had an experience as we were leaving. I was too chicken to be the last one in the, to leave the room because I need to be in the pack. But um, yeah, when we stood up to walk out, it was the craziest thing because Bruce was out, Karen was out. Andrea was going and we looked at each other and kind of looked behind us because it sounded like a whole group of people was walking behind us. Oh, leaving with us. Shuffling, shuffling, yeah. shuffling, shuffling on out. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, I mean, hopefully they've enjoyed our podcast yeah. today. So, yeah. And you know what? I don't know how to count them as listeners, but I'm going to figure it out. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's well, tell you, they, again, the numbers here, uh, the tour guys say about 14,000 people died on this property around with the jail and everything. So right. wow, there, gotta... you're up to 14,000 now. So I mean, wow. you, you guys are kicking it. We are wow. kicking it. We're kicking Plus it. the living. So we're just Plus counting the, the dead. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Look at us so, go. Uh, we'll have to figure out how to like we're put huge. 14,000 
non-living and, and yes. 800 living. Yes, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's right. We need to for it. Well, yes. I certainly hope that's good marketing. That's yeah. exactly right. So I really hope that we've given this building um, the respect and and I don't know the love that it certainly deserves. I hope that we've brought some of that in here and some and some um, humorous times. I, I think that when you're in prison. Your, the humor is probably the only thing that makes you sane. So mm. I'm not speaking from experience, but maybe in my past life. Yeah, this has been really great. We really appreciate y'all And we so appreciate Andrea and Bruce, and we hope to have you all on some more because this is so fun, and we learn well, so much from you guys. Thank you for inviting us. It is a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Don't forget to um, find Andrea at andreasaintamon.com, and that's all spelled out. So you have to spell out the saint. And we're going to find Bruce at, don't tell me, something about lore, legends and facts and facts and <laughs> legends and what it is. Um, <laughs> now he doesn't know. Now he's um, like, I don't really know. Uh, lost in legend. Lost, lost, lost in legend. Yeah. Yeah. You had them all. It's just, just, you know, Not in the right order. I was, thinking, yeah. I was trying to think of something smart to say, and I just opted not to at that point. So, I, so you can find his books at Barnes & Noble. Amazon. Or Amazon. Amazon. And right. the name of the book on Lavinia and John. is Six Miles to Charleston, the true story of John and Lavinia Fisher. And I'm, that's I'm history so press. glad that I finally know where their end was because I never knew. Yeah. And now it really, it really resonates because I work over in that area when I actually go to work. And I'm not social distancing. That's where I work is at the old Navy Yard. So The craziest thing is when you hit the Charleston line and drive that way or you hit the hotel, I mean, hit the uh, hospital mm -hmm. and drive the other way, hit your odometer and it's almost six miles. So yeah. the house was called the Six Mile Makes sense. It's almost Makes still to this sense. day, six miles exactly yeah. to the city of Charleston. I love it. So, well, thank you so much, you guys. We really appreciate it. Our listeners out there, stay sweet. We're having a, a spooky October. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not in the kitchen. Um, we are actually just hanging out in spooky places. And stay tuned for more ghost stories to come yeah. on other episodes. Check us out on social media. We're on social media. We're on Instagram at, at Sugar Coated Murder. We are on, we have a Facebook page that's Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, and we have a fan page that's up to over 150 now. We have 150 friends, Sugar. Oh my gosh. Uh, they're our close friends. They are our close friends. So, um, and I and think we've gotten like nine or ten new fans on that page this week. Oh yeah, and we've yeah. gotten some from even outside of the, of the United States. We've got some fans, so that's really yeah. exciting. That's cool. yeah. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. awesome. very excited. And then if you all want to get in touch with us, you can email us at murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com <laughs> Yes, thank you so oh, much. And our, oh. our website is sugarcoatedpod.com. Yeah. So come find us because we, we need friends and um, we would appreciate more friends that are in the living than, than the non living. Listen, at this point, we'll take what we can get. I heard another. She's thumping under the table just like an old, good, good old fashioned seance. Oh. <laughs> Making everybody think it's a ghost. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well thanks guys. Um everybody out there stay sweet and don't worry. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.